Well, we knew that Harden Simmons and Mary Harden Baylor didn't agree on the football field, but we didn't necessarily know that the players don't even agree on where to eat in the Belton, Texas area. I'm, I'm coming in a little bit late on Saturday afternoon. I'm going to be refing some flag football games down in Austin. I'm going to drive up, and I'm going to be hungry. Okay. Now, I've been taught the breakfast burrito situation in Belton and other places in Texas, obviously. But you were from there for a little while. You did have a stay at Mary Harden Baylor. Lunchtime, for a good quick lunch that's authentic, where do I go in Belton? Hey, man, uh, being in Central Texas, man, you can't go wrong getting some barbecue. So uh, I'd, I'd have to send you over to, to old Miller's. Yeah, Miller's Barbecue, they're going to get you right. They got uh, their homemade sodas. They got whatever barbecue you want. Man, you can go tear that up. They'll, they'll for sure treat you right. Do you think I could, like, pack some of that up? JB, would you like me to send you some Miller's if, if I can get it to work right? I mean... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got some barbecue joints here in Florida, but I'm sure they do not compare at, at all to what they got going on there in Central Texas. Jalisco's. Jalisco's. Okay. Yeah. And what, what would I get there? Uh, it's like a Mexican food restaurant. You get anything there, honestly. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Uh, so, Jalisco's. Uh, JB? Now, you've heard two answers, uh, Miller's and Jalisco's. If I had to send you some food Ooh. down in Orlando, uh, which one would you prefer, do you think? Well, I mean, you can't go wrong. It's a win-win situation, Frank. You get the Texas-style <laughs> barbecue and the Tex-Mex. It's like, to me, it's a, it's a double winner right there. You can't go wrong with either way. Well, needless to say, JB, uh, I think I have some options, and I'm not going to leave uh, hungry when I uh, get up there or down there to, uh, to Belton, Texas. I'll no. be flying into Austin, so I will be going north at some point. Uh, so I, I will give you a full report Saturday evening at 5 o'clock Central Time, 6 o'clock Eastern Time, when we're doing our pregame show as to what I choose for my afternoon lunch, snack, whatever you want to call it at that point. Uh, you, you, you better have it. Yeah. Yes, I used to go to to Dallas um, for work for many years, and and you can't beat the the barbecue in in Texas. I know maybe some folks in in Memphis or North Carolina or wherever might disagree, but I was always a big fan of the of the Texas barbecue there. And then the Tex Mex too is just as good. Um, I mean, maybe it doesn't beat out my old hometown of Los Angeles um, as far as Mexican food is is concerned. But um, it's still, I, uh, I, I imagine what you're going to be experiencing is probably a little bit better than, than what I'll have in, in Orlando this weekend. <laughs> well, I'll think of you for about five seconds while I'm eating all that food. Yeah, and I'm I'll sure. think of you when I say right now, this is the week four preview show for season 14 of In the Huddle.
Okay, we're not live this week uh, because I am in the air literally as this uh, show debuts or maybe just before I get into the air, maybe I'm at my gate, but either way, uh, Newark to Austin is going to be the pathway uh, to uh, getting uh, down to Belton. And uh, we wanted to preview the game with some interviews and we're going to do that right off the bat here and then talk about the rest of the games across the country. Harden-Simmons, Mary Harden-Baylor, before we get to that interview uh, cycle here. JB, we've talked about it. The 2019 field goal with no time left scenario as Avila kicked that one and got it through, yeah. and it was not an easy kick by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> no. Normally, uh, then when you've got to run on to uh, make it happen, it's even tougher. Nine seconds and counting, and they're going to have to hurry and line up. This is going to be a 42-yard attempt to win the game by Anthony Avila. And they just get it away. The kick is up. And good! Mary Hart Baylor wins it at the buzzer. A 42-yard field goal, and the crew has lost Hart Simmons. So yeah. there was that, and then there's the Mary Hart Baylor storming through in the first half game in spring 2021, and then having to really hold on to win the game, ultimately. Uh, a whole bunch of shenanigans going on, special teams and otherwise, in that game. Mm-hmm. So... You've got this team that's knocking on the door, but a lot of the Mary Hart and Baylor fans, I'm not going to lie to you, the stuff that we're hearing all week, they don't have a confidence in Hart and Simmons right now that they're going to be that team that we've seen in the last two games. By yeah, no, if it <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm, uh, I think it, it, it's tough, Frank, because I think the, the Mary Hart and Baylor's fans' overconfidence is a, is a sell, sell, sell. Um, because these these big rivalry games, you know, you don't necessarily see one team really getting blown out. I mean, just look back at what happened with Alabama and Florida. I mean, I don't think anyone thought Florida had a realistic chance to win that game, given how good Alabama's been. But lo and behold, came down to the final seconds. It could be the same deal here. We'll have to wait and see. I, uh, I think that this is going to be a good game. I, I, I don't see teams in the 50s. I don't see teams in the 40s in this game. I, I Defenses see teams in the 30s. are too good. Yeah. yeah. 30s and 20s. If, if we have a lopsided game, it's going to be a 10 to 14 point lopsided game. It's not going to be a 30 point lopsided game. But it could be a one point game. Could be overtime. Who knows? We've got two, yeah. t- uh, two uh, members of the teams here uh, that are going to talk about it. First up, Kyle Jones, the quarterback for Harden-Simmons. Interesting to select him to speak with because he came from Mary Harden-Baylor. He started four games in 2017. So he knows this team. And now having transferred, he wants to beat that team. Let's hear from him. We're pleased to have Kyle Jones with us, senior quarterback, Harden-Simmons University. The Cowboys have this big game, as we uh, said before this interview. And, uh, Kyle, you know, people always kind of look at us like we're overselling this game, the meaning behind this game. You've been on, at least, you know, on the teams-wise, both sides of this rivalry. We'll get to that in a second. But can we really oversell this rivalry? Uh, Man, you can't ever oversell a rivalry uh, because no matter what, if there's a number – by uh, the team's name, like for this instance, like they're number two or number seven, like uh, you have to give that opponent like every ounce of respect that they deserve because because it is a rivalry game. But uh, 
and counting count this one out or not hyping it up enough is never an issue. Kyle, as, as Frank alluded to, you know, you, you'd spent a, a, a few years at UMHB and now you've been uh, with uh, HSU for a couple of years now. Aside from both being really outstanding football programs, what, what else would you say are some of the big similarities and differences between these two schools? I mean, great programs, they obviously have a, just great, a great foundation. And I can say that both, both um, programs have great foundations, uh, great history of coaches, uh, great history of players, um, just great cult cultures overall. And um, uh, in that way, they're real similar, but there's also ways that they're very different that uh, I've enjoyed on both ends of the spectrum. Well, you've enjoyed it on both ends of the spectrum, and they've enjoyed you on both ends of the spectrum for the simple reason you're a very good quarterback. You were uh, one that JB was watching closely uh, during the spring uh, when we had a little less in terms of the static of other teams to watch throughout the country. We, we got to focus a lot on ASC football, SAA football, a lot of the Southern football teams that we don't ne necessarily get to see. But I remember JB saying, this Kyle Jones guy is one to watch, and you are. Uh, indeed, you've been leading this team uh, in ways that are special. Uh, let's stop for a second on the rivalry. Just look at the rest of the season so far. Some folks are questioning, you know, the Bellhaven game and the closeness of that game uh, to a certain degree. But uh, obviously your team pulls it out. Kind of take us through the flow so far this season and what you've seen from your team, especially offensively. Uh, just the, man, the flow of the season has been different, obviously, just all the COVID stuff, we've had guys missing every week. We've had the puzzle puzzle piece, uh, just game plans together sometimes. Um, uh, one of our coaches, uh, our OC and quarterback coach, he always says that every week uh, is like a different chapter in a book and nothing in it is going to be the same as the previous chapter or the one coming after that. And so uh, just like a chapter in a book, we've had to almost write our own script in every aspect and as far as the game last week and Bellhaven has uh, improved their coaching and game like night and day from the last time we played them and it hadn't been it's been two years since the last time we played them so uh, we obviously came out and got the job done but they had a great game plan of uh, holding the ball from us and uh, we had very limited drives to uh, make it happen but I'm glad, glad we got it done and that's just, it's a testament that our whole uh, conference as a whole is getting better and uh, that it's not just this game that we worry about um, or not worry about, that we look forward to every every year, but every game is like, it matters and our conference is getting better and competition is getting stronger. And But as far as just the flow of the season, man, it's been like a roller coaster and I mean, we're all just uh, locked in and writing our own chapter every week. Kyle, um, to put to put things maybe into a little more context, you know, you guys won your first two games by a combined seventy-six to nothing. Um, you were going into week three against a Bellhaven team that had kind of dropped a, a sort of surprising loss to Southwestern um, the week before. Like you said, you guys hadn't played them in two years. You put sixty-three points on them in twenty nineteen. And then all of a sudden, you know, your first drive, you complete a pass and your receiver fumbles the ball and they 
go on a 10 play drive and they score your next uh, drive. You go out, you know, you make a couple of runs, you, you complete a pass, you get sacked and you have to punt. And all of a sudden it's 10 to nothing in the, in, in the second quarter. And then it seemed like the light bulb went off. Um, and then the points started coming. First off, how did you deal with some of that frustration of, well, I mean, it's a smart, smart, defensive move to keep Kyle Jones on the sideline to stop him from scoring points. But, you know, how did you kind of, you know, get the offense back on track to say, okay, guys, we spotted him some points here. It's, you know, let's, let's get back on track and, and get into this game. Yeah. I mean, we felt like, especially the previous two games, we've been taking two steps forward and one step back and it's eliminating that step back maybe not every two steps, but maybe every 10 steps. And uh, the light bulb just finally went off that, yeah, we're having the puzzle piece stuff together, but we're still a great offense. We got uh, great receivers, a great line, a great running back, uh, a great group of running backs. Um, and we should never like lose confidence in that. And sometimes whenever we don't score a lot of points, we're like, dang, like, are, are we really that good? Like, yeah, we're that good. We just got to figure out how how we can be good and like every team differs like from 2019 to now like we have a different identity as an offense and I think as an offense altogether we are still trying to find that but we are taking steps forward toward that well said uh but let's look at now the game uh 2019 uh there was the rushed on field goal uh just in time by mary hart and bailey you guys thought you probably had them and they bit you back uh in 2021 spring uh they dominated the first half i don't think anybody would uh, doubt that and you guys just rallied back and it really put on an attempt to take them down and it just fell short again for you, this is probably it, I would have to guess, uh, in terms of uh, years uh, left to play and all that stuff. So, I mean, is there a frustration level at this point that since you've been there, you haven't gotten over the hump yet? And what would it mean if you guys were able to get over that hump and beat them, not just from a national perspective? Because we, everybody's talking about rankings right now after what happened North Central overtaking Mary Harden Baylor by one point uh, this weekend and then what happens if and all this other stuff let's ignore that what does it mean if you guys as a team can overcome Mary Harden Baylor after some of the recent history uh, I mean especially the recent history like man those are two incredible games to be a part of uh, again rivalry games that you dream of as a kid uh, no matter what level we're playing at um, but man it should it'd be hard to put into words because just like the journey that all of these guys have been on like a ton of this group and um, Harden Simmons has been a part of those two losses and um, and then also just more than two years before that like there's a bunch of close games uh, great battles um, it would just be just a great step for this program and uh, we've been knocking on the door for a long time, and I think the coaches, players, parents, everyone who's a part of it would just love to uh, see us take another step forward because, uh, I mean, we we put in the work. We uh, we strap, strap on our helmets just like those guys do, and, uh, I mean, we have all the reasons to take a step forward uh, this weekend, but 
uh, it's going to be a crazy game. I already know it. It's going to be a ton of fun. And uh, those dudes definitely aren't going to just roll the ball out and give it to us. We're going to have to uh, hold our own against uh, against them. And uh, I think it's, I mean, it'd be a blessing just to I mean, come off the field with a victory. But also, if we put up a daggum good fight, like, there's going to be all the more reason for us to earn that respect that we have. And that's why we have, like, a number seven by our uh, our ranking and our name. And it's because... This game isn't just a big game because of them. Like we make it a great game also because of how good we are. And uh, I would just love to see this program take the next step and to be a part of it would be awesome. I would love love to be part of that. Well, I'm sure a lot of those people who are chatting about the rankings would love to to see a little bit of an upset, so to speak, as well. But you know, Kyle, it seems to me, you know, looking more objectively, you know, at the Bell Heavian game, the last time you guys played, it seems like, you know, if I can, you know, be constructively, you know, critical here, you guys have gotten off to some slow starts. How do you avoid that in this game? And in, in this, you know, it's going to be a big game atmosphere. How do you get off to a good quick start and not, you know, kind of set yourselves back and, and sort of force yourselves, okay, here we go again. We're, we're, you know, kind of climbing uphill versus getting out and getting a quick score and maybe quiet down the home crowd. Right. Yeah. Uh, we definitely take pride in getting off to fast starts. And uh, that's usually like a great um, thing of our success. Like we get the ball rolling and then it just kind of snowball effects after that. But the past two weeks, we've had two turnovers in the, the very first drive. And that's kind of like punched us in the gut both weeks. And we've had to really check ourselves. Um, just kind of regroup and just, again, find our identity that I think we're still uh, searching for. But um, I think just getting off to a fast start, whether that's making a good drive and pinning them deep on a punt or making a good drive, getting a field goal, just something positive like that, that we move the ball um, in an effective way that uh, I think that will definitely like help get our confidence up and uh, get, us, get us off and rolling. Kyle, you talked about the COVID difficulties with some scratches on your team that have had to happen and whatnot. Tell me in your honest opinion right now, standing here right now, when you're at full strength and all your players are on that field, is Harden Simmons a national championship caliber team in your view in 2021 in the fall season? Absolutely. I mean, we, uh, our coaches always joke about it. Like we're the oldest team, most experienced that um, Harden Simmons has ever had. And like me being an old guy, like, uh, yeah, jokes, jokes aside, but like we have a ton of dudes that have played in meaningful games and, um, just to like have everybody at full strength and have our whole team at full strength. Like, yeah, we're going to be uh, definitely a team to keep an eye on. And um, I mean, we love being counted out. That's uh, we've been counted out a lot, a lot of times uh, in the past decade. And I think um, at full strength, we can definitely uh, turn some heads and then also, uh, I mean, just push forward with whatever we have. And, uh, but I mean, this far, like whatever we've had to puzzle piece together, we've gotten the job done. And I think we're going to continue to do that. And hopefully the day comes whenever all of us are on the field together at full, full capacity and going.
Uh, to be one of those old dudes, Frank, you know, man, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's great. Well, Kyle, um, you guys have, uh, you know, you, like you said, you've, you've got the experience. You've got, you know, the, the playmakers on your team. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this with uh, Luke and, 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 um, and Braden Anthony from Wheaton. I have imagined that, you know, based on the cross around your neck, there's also some faith there, too, that you guys can get the job done. And, um, you know, I certainly wish you uh, the best of luck. I know that in the springtime, um, you know, Frank gave me a hard time because I was picking you guys to win the ASC, and you came, with, you came pretty close. I mean, you know, if there was a little more time at the end of that game and if there was maybe a better start, yeah, anything yeah. can happen. So, um, you know, as is a, a longstanding tradition on our show, we like to offer uh, the student athletes, even the old guys um, like yourself, the opportunities to uh, shout out any friends, family, uh, current, past, uh, college, high school teammates. The floor is yours, Kyle, and, and thank you again for joining us, and, and good luck on Saturday night. Be on the be, Keep a lookout for some stranger wearing a you know, five-gallon hat off to the side of the, the field, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, just first off, I'd like to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He, uh, I mean, every opportunity I've gotten to play uh, health-wise, um, financial-wise, uh, it's just been a blessing. Um, and then also just a shout out to my family, uh, my mom and dad, my brother Tyler, um, my fiance, uh, Keely Laird. Uh, she's been a rock for me. Uh, we've had to do some long distance relationship for a while. And uh, man, just all those, the people know who they are that um, have truly been a great foundation for me, pushing me to uh, I mean, not only transferring a few times, but uh finally finding home and then getting behind me still through through it all man all my friends and family uh derek sides grayson edwards robbie west matt mitchell all i can go on go on a long tangent but uh those those people know who they are and they got a special place in my heart and got nothing but faith and love and ready to go go play some football have a fun week of practice there's Kyle Jones. Uh, he's you can tell he's a little nervous before the camera, but you can tell also he's yeah. a good team leader for sure. Before we go too deep into that discussion, though, let's bring in the Mary Harden Baylor selection here. He's been around for a while. Uh, he's had uh, the yep. ability to come back uh, for various reasons, uh, including COVID uh, or the COVID year, and he chose to. He didn't have to, that's for sure, and he has a possible future in pro football. But first things first, he's got a big game to play this Saturday as he got knocked out of the last time they played in the second half because of a targeting call. Jefferson Fritz of Mary Harden Baylor. Jefferson, to this day, uh, one of my favorite photos, and I'm not showing partiality here, but one of my favorite photos is uh, this photo that I'm putting on the screen with you and me from... 2018 after Mary Harden Baylor won the national championship uh, against uh, the good old Mount Union uh, and uh, there's a team that you know maybe second on your list of teams you probably despise compared to Harden Simmons uh, out there we'll get to both in a second but Jefferson 
I got an interesting question for you. And I was talking to some friends down in Belton earlier about the implications of it. Mary Harmbale has had a great season so far. And yet you just fell from number one to number two in the D3Football.com top 25 poll by one point to North Central. Does that make sense to you? Where, do you find motivation from it? I mean, what's going on here? And tell us, I mean, coming into this week, this weekend, you guys have been pretty much rolling. Tell us about the season so far and your thoughts on what happened here. Uh, I think our season so far has been really good. Uh, it's really showed us what we're all about. Um, I would just say that, you know, North Central is a really good football team. I think they've beaten two uh, top team, top 10 teams. And uh, I would, I mean, it, we, I don't think we really look at it, you know, number one, number two, whatever number it is. Uh, I just think we got to go out there and play our best football. And I think that's what we have done so far. And uh, we'll see what's coming up for us this weekend. Yeah, Jefferson, speaking, uh, speaking of this weekend, I mean, you guys, in a way, have already played this team, you know, in a conference championship game just a few months back in the spring. Um, tell us a little bit about what that spring season was like for you guys and, and how has it helped you prepare for what's coming up on Saturday? Uh, I would say in the spring, we were really trying to find ourselves as a team because we were really, really young. Uh, we had to have a lot of people step up. There were some injured people uh, that didn't even play all spring. So I, I just think in the spring, whenever we played them, uh, it was really good for our football team to come out with the win, but we were really sloppy. Um, but that did motivate us to coming into the next year that we really want to be the best football team we could. And we saw a lot of young people step up for our team and that really are contributing this year uh, to the team. So just going into that matchup this year, it gives us a lot of confidence knowing we didn't play our best football last year. And hopefully we will this Saturday. There's an old joke going around that Jefferson Fritz has been around UMHB as long as Pete Fredenberg has. And obviously you've, you've got a good tenure there and various things have happened along the way. And then COVID happens. You didn't have to come back this year, uh, from what I understand. And, uh, you know, some people think there's unfinished business for you. Some people think that it's kind of one of those you just love the game too much things uh, or that you're, you love your teammates too much. Why did you come back this year? Give us – it could be all that. So go ahead. Take the floor. Why are you back this year? Um, so the number one reason I came back this year was because I have a really good group of friends here. And uh, we've just been on this journey together, and we wanted to come out on top our last year. Uh, last year, or I guess two years ago, uh, losing to Whitewater kind of left a sour taste in our mouth, and I really didn't want to end on that. So I just really wanted to come back and just prove that UMHB is still one of the top teams in the nation, and we want to win the Natty this year, and that's really why I came back. And also, I just love the program, love UMHB. Uh, just all about it, honestly. Well, a big reason why you guys have been off to a good start is, is it, I think some of the young guys you were referring to earlier might have been on that offensive line. You practice against them. Um, you've seen, you know, the, the two quarterbacks um, in action on a daily basis. You know, tell us about their journey from, from your perspective as a defensive player and, and really where is the, you know, kind of the bar being set for them going forward? 
Uh, I would say the bar being set for them, just to answer that last question, it's always high here, no matter what position you play or whatever position group you are in. Um, and I think they have exceeded the expectation that week in, week out, uh, just protecting the quarterback, uh, run blocking, just everything. They do everything so great. And then just the quarterback, he reads his keys, Kyle King reads his keys, makes the right plays, and uh, doesn't turn the ball over. And that's really key to be a great football team is to don't turn the ball over. So we talked to Kyle Jones, a guy you know, obviously. He was uh, with the team uh, for a couple of years and uh, started four games, if I remember correctly, uh, back in 2017. Uh, And... It's got to be a little bittersweet to see him across the way uh, the way that this has played out. Uh, but obviously, he's wearing the wrong jersey at this point, and it makes all bets off. Uh, but this team has come so razor thin close to beating you guys the last two attempts: the field goal with Avila getting out there just in time, and then obviously the attempted comeback after a first half they wish they could forget from the spring. You had an interesting uh, go of it in the second half of that game as well. But do you ever get concerned that this team is going to be able to get over the top, even at Belton, uh, the way it is uh, this year, on homecoming, at night? I mean, we, we got every card stacked here, uh, it feels mm-hmm. like. But, I mean, is there a concern that this team is getting their traction here enough to probably or possibly beat you at some point in time, and this could be the year? Uh, just a confidence thing. Um, I'm sure they're saying the same thing. No, we're going to beat them this year, all this stuff. But I think honestly, what we can do at UMHB is just worry about our team and, uh, really just go into the game, not thinking, oh, we're just gonna, you know, pretty much beat these guys. We really have to go out there and play just because we're the number one or number two team in the nation doesn't mean any team we play can't beat us. We still have to go out there and play. And Kyle Jones over there, he is dangerous, I would say. Uh, And he's a really good guy. And he's gotten that team together to where, okay, they are starting to make a push to where they are trying to beat us. Um, But there's really no concern over here, honestly. We just got to line up and play against them the way we always do and just play ball on Saturday. Yeah, play ball. I'm sure you you will. Um, so so Jefferson, I, I know most of uh, you know the D3 world knows you as a you know first team All American you know safety. You're big guy. You can you know, bring the hits. You've had some pick sixes. You you return punts. But one of the more interesting things that I discovered in the stat sheet that and you have to explain this to me because I don't know how many first team All-Americans also either volunteered to be or somehow named the punter on their team. Now, the good news is, is that your offense is, is so good, you don't really have to punt too much. So maybe it was just sort of a, you know, okay, we'll just throw them out there every once in a while. But how has UMHB not gotten some kid from somewhere to be the punter and it's you? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> the day they asked me if I could punt, I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I punted in high school. My dad was a punter in college. Um, I mean, he taught me how to punt. So I was like, yeah, it can't be that hard. So just went out there and punted, and it was, I mean, halfway decent. And so they were like, okay, you're an athlete. If we ever want to fake the ball, you're there. We trust you. If not, just kick the ball as far as you can. I said, okay, bet. 
Can't be that hard, you know, JB. Go, go ahead. Go, go do it for them. As a dad with you know, five teenagers, the fact that, you know, if it's ever like, oh, if dad can do it, it must be easy. That's, that's, I've heard that a million times. But, uh, but Jefferson, you're, I, I've seen you on Instagram. You know, some of your workouts are, you know, they're legendary. Um, you know, you have potentially pro football, you know, strength or, or a future there. We'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But I have to ask you, uh, a kind of a serious question is not wearing shoes in the weight room a good idea because I've seen a lot of these barefoot you know shots here and all it takes is one guy to drop a 100 pound dumbbell or a plate or something I mean you're too valuable a player to the Crusaders to be just running around in bare feet how does how has this possibly gone on for as long as it has man <laughs> oh man so I'm from the country I will say that uh but just in the weight room, I train with my cousin back home, and it's usually just us two training. So we trust each other, and we're pretty responsible. And uh, I just really like working out barefooted. It's I, I don't know what it is. Right. I don't really like shoes. I don't I don't know while I'm working out. I really don't like just having the feeling of shoes on. I, I don't know. It might sound weird, but yeah, it just it just kind of went on, and and the coaches at UMHB always tell me to put shoes on in the weight room. You know, somebody's gonna drop a weight on your foot, but I mean, if they're gonna drop it on your foot, it's probably still gonna break with the shoe on. So, <laughs> either way, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lifting when he lifts, yes, indeed, it will. Okay, let, let's face it. You you have obviously put on a lot of muscle since I saw you even in twenty eighteen. Uh, from uh, looking at some of your uh, school photos that have uh, come out. It's, it's clear that you have hit the weight room extremely hard uh, over the last, what, three years or so. Uh, but let, I, let me shift for a second here. You've been through enough of these. You've seen enough of these. And people, as I asked Kyle, or said to him, people kind of pick on us about overselling this rivalry game and the meaning behind it and everything else. In your own words, what does this game mean? Can you oversell this game, as I asked him? No, I don't think so. You can... Man, that's hard. This game is the conference championship. So, therefore, whoever wins this game is probably going to get into the, to the playoffs, uh, have that number one seed. Uh, for us, that's how it's been. So, if we lose this game, it, it really means a lot for our program. And then where do we end up making the playoffs if we do make the playoffs, if we don't? Uh, this game definitely has a lot riding on it, um, I think, for both teams, honestly. So it's going to be a very, very competitive match, which it always is. And we both play each other extremely hard. Uh, I don't know if you can oversell this game. I don't, I don't know. It's a, it just means too much to both programs, honestly. This is this is probably one of the biggest rivalries we ever have, honestly. Yeah, I guess you can't uh, you can't take uh, Texas football rivalries for granted, man, because it's uh, this is like a mini uh, UT or uh, Texas Tech, whatever you want to call it, Red River Shootout. It's it's all of those things you know built in together. Now, now Jefferson. For, for a program like the Crusaders and for a player like yourself, you've been in a lot of big games. Are there certain um, – is it just sort of a, just a, yet another game for you guys? Are there certain rituals that, that you guys um, you know do to kind of get ready for these big matchups? Or, once again, you're just going and doing your practice, you're watching your film, you put your uniform on, you go out and play the game? 
Yeah, it's uh, I would say it's about the same, just a lot more intense, just because it is a lot riding on this game. Uh, we don't do nothing special, though. I mean, watch film, go to practice. I mean, just the normal stuff. I mean, we try not to hype it up too much to where our team doesn't feel like we're not too big for this moment. Um, we just go out there, play our game, do what we do. And that's just however the game turns out on Saturday. That's how it turns out. You remember good old Blake Jackson, I'm assuming, right? Yes, sir. He he taught us a lot about the fact that just because you play one position in college doesn't mean that you can't play another position in the pros and that versatility is important to NFL scouts out there. You are as versatile as they come in terms of being a defensive back, a punt returner, a punter, etc. I don't think this is a strange question to ask you, and I think you've been asked it several times before, so let's talk about it. What are the pro prospects for you after this season? Man, it's uh, it's definitely crazy to think about, but I mean, I'd be willing to just go to a team. It doesn't matter who. I just want to try out. Uh, it's exciting. It is. I'm really just right now worried about this season, getting the job done here before I even worry about all that stuff. Um, but definitely I would play any position, whatever they ask. Uh, and it's just been a crazy journey. And if, if it turns out, you know, good, then I'll hopefully get a chance to go play at the next level. Uh, not a lot of people get to say that. And, uh, it's just it just be a, a very blessed opportunity for me, uh, my family, just to even be recognized by the NFL. Yeah, certainly, you know that would be that would be amazing. It's not something that we get to see too often in Division Three, but at least I think um, you know for the guys, especially like yourself, who were able to hang on for a little while longer and, you know, are going to be finished uh, with their uh, senior year or their, you know, college career by the end of 2021. In 2022, there will, there will be not only the, you know, the NFL opportunities potentially, but, you know, XFL, other leagues are starting to build back up, which could open the doors um, to other to other folks, have you spoken with any, um, you know, Crusaders alumni who have taken that next step, and have they advised you kind of on sort of the maybe the, the things that they wish that they had known, you know, get, getting into this whole process, or you know, like you said, you're just focused on Saturday's game and you worry about all that in December? <laughs> uh, I haven't talked to them in depth about it. I have talked to former players who have went and played, um, but what I have talked to them about. You know, I wanted to know if I had a real shot at going. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I think I got a real shot, but really don't know. And just talking with them and just getting their experience on how, you know, they went about it is is really important to me because they've been there. They've done that. And uh, them just saying, yeah, you got a really good shot at making it. Just keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, OK, like that's all the that's all the answers I needed from them. And then. Like you said, in December, I'll figure it all out after after we win the Natty, hopefully. Well, regardless of whether you win the Natty or not, I'm going to tell you as somebody that's come across enough football players over time and watched the Quinn Miners of the world and mm -hmm. Ali Marpat and a, a lot of others, uh, you've got 
a certain thing about you that's going to be really, really good for scouts uh, looking at you down the line. There's just, okay, you've got the strength, you've got the speed, you've got the ability to play and the versatility, like I said. So I, I won't be surprised if we don't hear more about you after December, regardless of what happens in this season. And we, we're going to wish you luck because we always regardless of team, root for D3 players to find their ways to the pros. So before all that, though, my friend, you got a big game coming up this Saturday. So let's focus oh, yeah. on that. But uh, also let's focus on one thing that's a tradition on our show, he said, uh, which is shout outs to any friends, family, teammates, anybody that might be watching. Jefferson Fritz, the floor is yours. Oh, Lord. Shout out to my mom, dad, sisters, brother. Uh, brothers in the military in Florida. I uh, hope you're having a good time. Um, cousin, all my best friends, uh, and anybody else I didn't mention. Love all y'all. <laughs> Your brother who's in the military, his name is? Uh, Jackson. Jackson, thank you for your service. Uh, and uh, thank you, Jefferson. Absolutely. Thank y'all. I appreciate it. Okay. Jones. Fritz Jones hopes not to see much of Fritz in the game. Uh, obviously, uh, if he yeah. does, it's probably a bad news uh, unless it's yeah. on punt returns or punts or something like that. But you get the point here. Uh, this is going to be, I think, one in terms of how well the offense of Harden Simmons can execute here. Uh, they're going to have to put up points. There's no doubt about it in my mind. We can talk about the quarterback play, Mary Harden-Baylor, all we want. And there's still, you know, Kyle King is a very good quarterback. Uh, maybe not the echelon we were hoping for yet, at least, for a national championship-type quarterback. But, hey, time will tell. This could be a defining yeah. game for him. But Kyle Jones and his offense, I think, are the key to this game versus the defense of Mary Harden-Baylor. Yes or no? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a broken record, Frank, because I, I keep bringing it back to that spring game and the job that the crew offensive line just did totally demolishing, um, you know, the front four, seven, eight, nine, you know, of, of the Cowboys. It was a really um, impressive performance if you're if you're a Crusaders fan, but it was a really disappointing performance if you were a Cowboys fan. They are going to need, um, you know, those defensive line and linebackers to level up a little bit to make this an interesting game because, um, you know, the one benefit that I think that Kyle King has as a quarterback for Mary Harden Baylor is that he doesn't have to win games for them. Um, you know, he, he completes about half, you know, half of his passes, maybe he hits on a long one here and there. I know they do some gadget plays and stuff like that, but their offensive line is so good that it just keeps opening holes wears teams down and they eventually just win the game because the O-line just wears people out. Uh, and then they'll get, you know, maybe a pick six from Fritz or they'll get a punt return from, from Miller or kickoff return for touchdown. Their special teams are outstanding. So they don't need, they don't need King to win this game. He can manage it. He, as long as he doesn't throw, you know, a couple of interceptions that could turn into points, they'll be fine. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I think too, if you're a Crusaders fan, you want to see King kind of step it up and maybe stick it to, <laughs> to the Cowboys a little bit and show off this really talented wide receiving core that just doesn't really catch the ball that often uh, for you know a number of different reasons. 
Yeah, this is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. This is one of several big games uh, this weekend. And let's put up the full uh, slate here uh, in big print, and then we'll uh, back out of it. But we'll talk about it in the meantime. We've kind of yep. leveled out Regions 1 and 2 to make way for some extra Region 3 information here. Uh, I'll take Region 1. Uh, let's kind of uh, go back and forth here for a second. Uh, Rowan versus Salve Regina is an interesting game because of the Springfield connection. Uh, Rowan lost to Springfield at home. Now, Salve Regina, yep. if they're going to prove that they're legit out there, uh, they want to move to 4-0 with this, this is a tough game for Salve Regina even at home, and they're going to prove themselves, I think, with this game, you know, what they're made of here. They beat Montclair, but I think Montclair may be a step below Rowan right now because of the troubles they're having. So it'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out. Hamilton versus Wesleyan. Uh, in uh, the NESCAC, here's a game that sets up as who's going to be heir apparent essentially to start challenging Williams as long as Williams keeps doing what they did against Middlebury. You take Region yep. 2. Yeah, well, the uh, the Chicken Riggy Bowl with uh, Union and Utica. This is the Pioneers' homecoming game, and they have the unenviable task of taking on, I think, now number 12 or number 13 ranked Union. Um, they'll be wearing some pretty cool uh, throwback uniforms, uh, Utica that is, um, and I think it's a, uh, a special anniversary of their, of the, you know, the, the start of their program. Um, but, you know, Bellamy and company bring a lot of offensive firepower. Uh, they were missing some key players against Springfield and looked a little more mortal. So Utica might have a chance to, to shake things up here. Uh, yeah, you will, you know, Ken Fiore kind of carry the load that uh, that he did against the Pride when uh, Irabor had to sit that one out. Region three, uh, we're going to look at Brevard versus Huntingdon and uh, the uh, coin toss bowl. Uh, we'll see if uh, this game goes uh, the way that we think. Uh, who's home in this game? Because now I've seen it two different ways, actually. It's actually, I think it's Brevard who's the home team on this one. I, I switched it on the other scoreboard slide, but I must have gotten it mixed up here. But yeah, Brevard is the home team in this one. Huntington, uh, you know, they haven't won a game yet, but they have looked pretty strong against the top ten team. Kind of got the blow, the doors blown off them in in week two. Uh, but Brevard has struggled also, so really no guarantees either way in this one. Um, we'll have to talk about this in our picks coming up. Grove City versus Westminster is kind of a, a confirmation game for both of these teams. Yeah. Who's going to be up there with W&J if W&J can get through Case Western uh, in that uh, night game. So we're going to see kind of some really good pack play throughout the day on Saturday as uh, the Grove City-Westminster game is an early game and then the W&J uh, Case Western game is a later game. Trine versus Center is a good out-of-conference matchup to see what Center is made of and what Trine is made of for that matter at that point. Region 4, go ahead. Well, you know, the big, the, the couple of big matchups here, Mountain Union versus John Carroll, a couple of top 25 teams, depending on which rankings you're looking at. Um, we sort of like the, the Harden-Simmons-UMHB rivalry. I think the Raiders side, you know, feels pretty confident that they're going to take care of the blue streaks in this one. Interesting matchup, though, Heidelberg versus Baldwin-Wallace, which was uh, a, a team that gave Mountain Union a pretty good run for its money just uh, just last weekend. So can the student princes keep capitalizing on that spring, um, you know, West Division championship and, and their so far so good start? Uh, they'll need to beat this Baldwin-Wallace team to keep that momentum going. And then finally, and this is interesting, Frank, I think 
if my math is right, which is always questionable, there are 16 what we'll call interregional games uh, this weekend, meaning so teams from either one versus two or two versus three and so on and so forth. Eau Claire versus Albion is a six versus four situation. Uh, the the WIAC has been almost undefeated and out of conference play. Uh, the Britons are off to a 3-0 start and are favorite in, in the uh, MIAA, the Michigan um, uh, you know, Inter Interscholastic Athletic Association. So this would be a big win for Albion if they can pull it off at home, uh, just based on the fact that the WIAC has just been so dominant. And then, you know, we'll see how those other 15 games interregionally sort of pan out. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll have to update you when we do crunch time for week four. Region 5, Augustana versus North Central. Could it be a letdown game for North Central because they should win this going away? But you know what? After all the energy that they, it took to win the last two games, anything's possible. And you kind of look at what yeah. happened in Muhlenberg last week and the uh, any given Saturday scenario, North, North Central mm -hmm. has to be careful here not to uh, yeah. let that one go. St. Norbert versus Lakeland. Uh, one of those games that starts heating up in uh, the conferences we don't talk a lot about out there uh, in Region 5. And Coe versus Wartburg. Yeah. Uh, Wartburg sort of needs to get a win here, and Co could be a very good challenge for them, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, I'll continue in Region 6 just to say Bethel versus St. John's could be the first of two incarnations of this game this season if they both get to the championship game. But as we said on the Wednesday show, no guarantee on that. So we'll see yeah. where that goes. It's a big game for now, and we'll leave it at that. Go ahead with the other two. Yeah, I mean, so the undercard in the in the ASC this weekend is going to be Howard Payne, who is very quietly, I think, uh, off to a three and zero start, and looking like they could, um, you know, be a potential challenger. But they need to get past ETBU, which is a team that I think has you know, typically beaten them in the past. So this is a good challenge for for the Jackets, and and it'll be an interesting undercard for you Texas football fans while you're waiting for uh, Harden Simmons and uh, Mary Harden Baylor to kick off at seven p.m. Eastern. Indeed so, sir. Sorry about that. Uh, we're just getting my uh, lightning uh, picks uh, stuff ready here, and uh, you, you caught me by surprise. It's okay. We're just going to continue okay. from there. It's okay. It, it's, it, that's pretty good. Uh, and so as we You know what else our... is okay, Frank, before we talk about picks? Oh, go ahead. Happy birthday in the huddle. The day that this is oh. you know, being broadcast is November 24th of 2021. On this day back in 2008, in the huddle with two L's, took to the air. And uh, Frank and Eric, your you know, co-hosts, you know, brought D3 and a different type of D3 football coverage to the world. And, and fans like me couldn't wait to call in and start bugging them and Eventually, they're like, the only way we're going to get this Baker guy off our backs is just bring him on board and let him talk about statistics and stuff. And it's kind of crazy to think. I know we're in season 14. I guess this is technically like a 13th birthday. But like you said before, it's like the start of the 14th year. It's just uh, it's been a lot of fun. And um, it just feels cool to, to just recognize that as a, you know, it's our birthday. I think you got a little uh, a box uh, uh, pointing into your head right now. Uh, so you might want to duck down a little bit there. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you get so tall suddenly? I, I, obviously, you're still growing in our 13, 14 years here. Uh, here in the yeah, model. I'm growing out this way, not the, not, the, not the good way. Shrinking, I think, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I'm down a game on you, so I need to uh, come back right. here strong. What are you, 14 and 10, and I'm 13 and 11 or something like that? 
Uh, I have 15 and 9 and 14 and 10 is the current standings in our little pick'em contest. So, um, Linfield, help me get get one on you. We'll see if you can pick up some ground in week four. Well, you know how this works. There's the music. We'll start the clock after I tell you the first game, which is already on the screen. Here we go. Region 1, Rowan at Salve Regina. Just a note before I do start the clock, uh, these are assumed out-of-conference games unless we put the name of the conference after it. So this is not a conference game, and we go by region in terms of who the home team is when we do these. Okay, now that we've explained all that stupidity, it's your turn. Go right ahead. Clock start. Oh, boy. All right. Rowan struggling, defending the run. Salve has one of the best running backs in the country right now, and Joey Moriello, um, who you got to interview. And you can check out Frank's interview on his Twitter feed, as stated below. I think... Salve will do a better job winning the second half, like Coach Gil Martin said, but it's going to be a close call. I think this is going to come down to a field goal, so I will take the Seahawks to win it 27-24. Yeah, they just can't let an offense find themselves like they did with Montclair in the second half. They've got to basically win four quarters of play. They can't lose the second half in this one like they did last week. So I'm going to uh, give Salve the uh, nod here, but like you said, it could be close. 21-20 in favor of Salve Regina. I'll start this one, which is a MAC game. Widener at Albright. Widener seems to be legit this season, although Albright came back in against uh, Westcon in Week 2 after that uh, big loss against Salisbury. I like Widener on the road. I think they're a legit team this season. I'm going to pick them to win this game. This will be a high-scoring game, I think, 34-27. And every time I say that, it's a low-scoring game, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, part of the reason why I thought this would be an interesting matchup, Frank, is that if Albright can run the table in the MAC, they are that one team that will not have to play DelVal. So they have a lot... They have a lot of uh, motivation to win uh, this game at home, but I kind of agree with you. I think the pride is the real deal. Um, probably going to be, uh, since you went high, I'll go low. I'll say the pride hangs on to win 21-14 uh, to 14 in this one in a more of a defensive battle. Region 2 versus Utica. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Uh, I mean... <sighs> Dutchmen are the better team on paper, theoretically. Um, Utica could play spoiler, but they struggled with putting away Western New England, who I think Union would beat head-to-head. So I'll take the Dutchmen. Another close one, but higher scoring, 38-35. to 35. I'll tell you, when Sonny Bedina's on, he's on. Uh, we saw that in the uh, crunch time highlights that we had this week. But I agree, Union got their scare already. I think that woke them up. I think they're, they're going to shake some of the injuries they had with Airboer and Ross Jr. Uh, and as long as Kyle Lamas stopped running all around Frank Bailey Field for a couple days, he'll, he'll have his energy He's like back Forrest to... Gump. He's just like... <laughs> yeah, somebody gave you that joke. We're not going to say who. Uh, That's right. So <laughs> it's going to be Union winning 31-20. And uh, as the music stopped, wow, we've exhausted one cycle of William Tell already. Uh, yeah. I'm going to tell you that the next game is WPI Montclair, and I go first. This is Montclair's bounce-back game. Uh, WPI is just struggling right now. Uh, getting traction ever since losing that Endicott game. And Montclair found their offense a little bit. I, I think they're getting their feet underneath them a little bit better. And we don't have to talk about their defense. It's very good. Uh, so Montclair wins this game 24 uh, 24- 
17. Yeah, I, I think that you're probably right there, Frank. I, maybe it might be even a little more lower scoring. I'll take the Red Hawks at home to get their first win, uh, 21 to 17. Huntingdon at Brevard in the USA South. The Tornadoes, man, they have not looked great. Um, right out, of, you know, they've they lost to a D2 or an NAIA team. They lost to Apprentice turning the ball over a lot. They're averaging only about 13, 14 first downs a game. Huntington is winless, but they've looked better and I think played better um, at least. Man, I don't know. I'll take the Red Hawks, I guess, even though you know I, I would love to use an excuse to put that really tight tornado jersey on and you know show some stuff here. I already know where you're going with this one, but I'll take, with, I'll take Huntington. I think this is going to be a defensive battle. Uh, 28 to 24. Just call me Lee Corso. Uh, I, look, I think at the end of the day, there we go, that looks better. Uh, at the end of the day... <laughs> yeah, that just happened. <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think Rivard uh, is going to be... be ready for this game. They've been ready for this game for, what, six months, uh, essentially. So I'm going to say that Brevard gets it. Uh, Hunting didn't look good against what Oshkosh was it back when, uh, but, uh, you know, has struggled since. Brevard's had some ups and downs for sure, like you pointed out, but Brevard wins this game. Uh, good defensive struggle, 21-14. As I get this off, I will tell you that the next game is... Grove City at Westminster, and I will start. Um, boy, Grove City had a good defense. So did Westminster. And so I'm going to say we're going to have a low-scoring affair here, and that bodes well, I think, for Westminster out of the two of them because they found their offense a little bit last week more than Grove City did. So I'm going to say 17-10 in favor of Westminster, which is one of the lowest scores I've uh, predicted all season for any team here. Uh, we can't hear you, though. Yeah, we're kind of on the same page, it seems, this week, Frank. You know, I'm, I'm agreeing with the, the Titans as probably being the, you know, the good pick here based on how well their defense played against Case. Um, so, yeah, I'll take the Titans. I think maybe a higher scoring affair, 35 to 28. Hmm. Then we have another pack game. That's W&J at Case Western Reserve. You go. Well, WNJ has been impressive on both sides of the ball, and they're trying to make a case to be the future champs of the pack. And so they want to take care of, of Case as a team that, that they've struggled with historically. I like the presidents in this one. I think they're going to struggle like they did last weekend, though a bit offensively. So it'll be a lower scoring game. I'll take the WNJ to win 28 to 21. Trying to make a case, really? I mean, you couldn't do better than that. Uh, W&J wins this going away. Uh, I think they just have the better team right now out of the two of them. 34-20. Uh, Next up, Trine at center. Only 11 letters combined in these two names. There's a stat for you. One of the shortest <laughs> yeah. ones you'll see, uh, unless Hope was born. Yeah. 
Nope. MIT versus Dean is the, will be the shortest okay. that weekend. I like that. So <laughs> trying at center, uh, I think. Uh, center's been showing themselves well, but I think Trine's got an edge here, even on the road. So I'm going to give it to Trine. Uh, and he just perked up. Yeah, I give the Thunder a 31 to 27 win in this one. They have won some close games, but I feel like um, center's offense is pretty powerful right now. And at home, I think they'll get the job done. This is going to be a huge, you know, they might, they, the two teams might combine for 100 points. So I think center wins, but it's going to be like 48 to 45. Speed round, here we go. Mount Union, John Carroll, and the OAC, go. Mount Union will win 42-14. Yeah, I just don't have the confidence in John Carroll either uh, to make this a game. They tried to in the uh, spring version of this, but I think this is not the spring in terms of the teams that we got on the field. So I say that Mount Union wins this by the score of 40-20. Uh, I, I do think that we'll see some scoring late by John Carroll. Uh, Eau Claire at Albion in Region 4. I'll start. Albion just looks like a good team right now, and Eau Claire is not the cream of the crop when it comes to, you know, the Wisconsin Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. So I'm going to pick Albion here at home to win 24-10. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Brits too. I think they'll get the job done 31-21. to What could be the de facto Mayak? definitive who's going to be the number one seed uh, game. Uh, Bethel at St. John's. Go. I'll still go with the Johnnies. Um, I think it's going to be a close call, though, like it was against Aurora. So hold on to your whatever. Um, but SGU comes away with a win 28-24. to 24. Upset alert. Bethel wins this game. I, I think St. John's It just looks a little too shaky for me in that Aurora game isn't as impressive as we thought it was, I don't think, at this point. I'm going to yeah. say Bethel shocks them on the road. 30, uh, now I'm going to say 24-20. And finally, uh, we put up there, Harden-Simmons at UMHB. 20 seconds left. We may go over time here to do this. Look, I, I, we said it earlier the people that are saying 50s and upper 40s for UMHB, etc., you better back off that stuff, folks, because that's just <laughs> going to light fires under Harden-Simmons. And I know they've heard it as much as we've heard it, so let's, let's cut the crap here at this point and talk about football and a team that has been bitten so many times by UMHB, they're looking for any excuse to uh, find some motivation to come and beat this damn team. So Yeah. I, I would say yeah, Pete Frenberg's got his hands full if that, that's the narrative coming out of Belton right now. Mary Hardenbaylor wins the game, but this is going to be tight. 31-30. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it might even be more lower scoring than that. I'll take, uh, I'll take the Crusaders also. I just think that their track record sort of speaks for itself. 31-27. Um, Thirty-one to uh, all around, I guess, huh? Yeah. Is that four touchdowns and a field goal? That seems reasonable. Yep. Yeah, okay, so we went a little late there, but we're getting better at this ten-minute thing on uh, twelve games. Yeah. So. Normally we were like twelve or fifteen, so you know, a couple of seconds over ten is a good is an improvement. 
<laughs> well, I think it's time to uh, run here because uh, we're basically at the hour mark for a preview show. Uh, but we did want to preview the uh, Mirahan Baylor Heron Simmons game, which I will be at. Like I said, we'll be trying to do as long as technology cooperates. A pregame show at five o'clock Central Time, six o'clock Eastern Time. Crossing our fingers, we'll talk about the games already played, the games to be played uh, on Saturday, and also have some guests. Again, technology permitting on field le- at field level, but we do appreciate. Uh, all their help at the athletics department and Mary Harden Baylor so far to help us get this off the ground and get permission for this in the first place. So we do appreciate that greatly. JB, see you Saturday via the interwebs. And folks, be well, enjoy the weekend, enjoy the football. We'll see you, if we don't see you on Saturday, next week with our Crunch Time episode for week four.